All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into Good Ranchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick and to get that deal and let's get on with the show. All right, today we have an important question to answer. Is anyone above the law? Well, we already know the answer to it, but according to Democrats, that is the only sort of response that is necessary in order to justify raiding Marlargo down there in beautiful, sunny, free Florida. Obviously, this has gotten a lot of people on both sides of the aisle asking some important questions and making a whole lot of accusations. So we're going to go ahead and analyze why did this actually happen and talk about some of the legitimate problems that I think a lot of us have with, uh, we'll just say, surrounding circumstances. All that and more coming up on this episode of Making the Argument. Thank you for joining us. I'm sure you'll have some thoughts on today's topic. There's been a lot going on since we last released an episode. I hope you'll let us know in the YouTube comment section and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We look forward to talking to you after the show on Volley. And you can find a link in the description there. All right, let's get through this quick. As always, host Nick Freitas, member of the Virginia House of Delegates. Other than that, good guy, kind of. With us, back, but without the milk. Queen of the Bees, Tina. Questionable. Hello, everyone. Yeah, see, she feels a little, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, it's a little bit suspicious. I might have the FBI raid her later. Anyway, Christian, hey. we're a resident historian. Fun fact, Mar-a-Lago is Spanish for sea to lake. You know what that means? And it then we have Nicholas Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> Our, our producer producers the good Hamilton, the one that does not like central banking. Thank you. All right, let's get right into it. Um, I just want to apologize for Christian. Anyway, so no, <laughs> you're not really sorry. <laughs> no, I said apologize to the audience for oh, you. For yeah, no, not, not to, to me? you. No, no. All right, so obviously a, a lot has gone on in the last twenty four to forty eight hours. Um, so we have this article here from the Intelligencer: Trump's Marlargo raided by FBI. Semicolon, everything we've learned. All right, so we're going to go over and we're going to talk about why did this happen in the first place? Because there's there's some questions here, right? Obviously, this is unprecedented in the sense that the FBI has never raided the home of a former president before in order to retrieve anything. Um, but in this case, what, what kicked all of this off, and you, you've probably heard this, but we're going to reiterate it just for anybody that hasn't been paying attention or hasn't been glued to the news for the last you know, day or so. Apparently, he had some classified documents that, according to Trump and his lawyers, this got packed up by general services when Trump was leaving the White House and going back to his home in Florida. And some of the things that got packed up into the boxes were classified materials. Now, here's the first thing I want everyone to understand about classified materials, right? Because I think people have this notion that whenever it's classified that, you know, 
automatically means that it's got the satellite imagery of all of our nuclear bases or Conspiracy something like that. Conspiracy theory. Yeah, it's 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 there with the exact locations of our entire nuclear sub-fleet. The right? nuclear That's, codes. Yeah, there's a lot of things that can be classified that aren't necessarily... They're classified. You know, they can be secret, top secret. There's, there's things like SCI, which is secured, compartmentalized information, etc. So there's a lot of different levels of uh, classification, a lot of different reasons things can be classified. But I, I don't want anyone to get... The, now, it's always important when something's classified. I don't want to minimize that. Um, but I, but, I have to say, Nick has a pretty special knowledge of this stuff because you do have a top secret security clearance. Uh, well, still, thanks. Yeah, thanks. It's, it was He's, supposed to be secret. Yeah, it was supposed that was supposed to be top secret. Too. Well, the clearance is a top I can't secret. Tell you anything? No, yeah, it's right. Yeah, yeah. And it, as she said, it's it's not secret that you have a secret clearance. But um, so classified materials in those boxes. General services packed them up, sent it over the house. Apparently. Uh, there was some revelation that, yeah, some of these things were secret and should have been sent in. And from what I understand, they contacted uh, Trump or Trump found him, sent him back to the National Archives. And um, there was some more questions about things that could exist there. Uh, apparently, the the FBI had come down before or members from the National Archives had come down before. And Trump had come in to say hi to him, right? His, his attorneys were cooperating. Yeah, they opened him. up the secure, uh, their windowless uh, storage building yeah. at Mar-a-Lago and let the... Um, FBI come in and and rifle through all of the boxes that came. And Trump even came down to say hi and see how everyone was doing while they were doing it. Yeah. So, so the idea, the idea was, is that the reason why this raid took place is because they believed they had evidence, sufficient evidence to get a search warrant to go. And when you get a search warrant, you got to be specific about what you're looking for and where you plan to look for it. Right. So they got that signed off by a federal judge, went in there and did this. Now, there's questions like, oh, can, they, can the FBI even do this? Should be able to? Well, yeah, if it's classified documents and it's a violation of um, federal law, then the federal law enforcement has jurisdiction. Um, so the, the question is, is why are people so upset about this? couple of reasons. One, totally unprecedented to go after a president. Whatever we say that, what does the left respond with? Nobody's above the law, unless you're Hillary Clinton or Jeffrey Epstein or, you know. I guess. Well, I mean, Jeffrey Epstein, I guess, did get you know killed in prison. I'm sorry, you know he what's killed, funny? He killed himself. Uh, I think you know what's funny? And it, then Hunter it Biden. It was two years ago yesterday that Epstein apparently killed himself. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, I uh, think. All right. <laughs> anyway. Actually, sorry. Two years ago today, not yesterday. Okay. I don't think Epstein was the law doing its justice. I think that were was a matter of concealing oh, information. I, I forget that it's 2022 and that it's not 20. It's sorry. Three years ago. Three today. years. It was three years ago today wow. that Epstein died. Okay. So, <laughs> back on point. <laughs> right? Back on point. So, again, when, when the left says that, like, nobody's above the law. Yeah, I agree with that. Nobody should be above the law to include a sitting president or a past president or anyone else. You name the wealthiest, most powerful Connected person in the country, if they violated the law, they should not be above the law. I think we agree with that. The problem for a lot of us on the right is we don't think the left agrees with that. And one of the reasons why we've come to this really totally strange conclusion about nobody being above the law is because, oh, I don't know everything from local commonwealth attorneys and district attorneys not prosecuting people. um, And then, I don't know, allowing riots to rampage through cities, setting stuff on fire, doing graffiti, burning down, you know, stores of you know, local immigrant shopkeepers, right? 
and and thinking that was all you know just fine because hey they're they're fighting for a bigger cause right and so when you when you have them try to take over parts of Seattle or take over parts of Portland and a lot of us we went wow this seems like you know a pretty clear violation of law that maybe something should be done about their statement was not nobody's above the law their statement was well this is a really important protest so they they've established this trend you know starting before 2020 but especially in 2020 of saying that if you're violating the law on behalf of something that Democrats like then it doesn't matter if there's a pandemic. It doesn't matter if a protest turns into a riot, turns into looting your local target, right? It, then that matters because we're just we're just talking over really, really you know important things that we have grievances about. So we don't buy that argument. The other thing that seems to be problematic is when we're again when we're talking about this. If Trump was cooperating with the DOJ, why was a raid necessary? Now. This would not be the first time in legal history where someone has appeared to cooperate with law enforcement, wasn't doing it sufficiently, or was caught trying to hide something, and there was sufficient evidence to get a search warrant, right? So all the way up into that point, okay, I can see what law enforcement is doing. But then the judge that issues the search warrant isn't exactly what you'd call kind of a nonpartisan. No, he's a big Democrat donor. Yeah, I mean, before he was a judge. Before he was a judge. But, um, and again, this this is not even to say that somebody that donated to a particular political party prior to being a judge can't be an effective judge. We're not saying that either. But it does raise questions amongst the general public. And then there's the third component here, which is we know that the left just has it in for Donald Trump. Like every single one of them, every single year, sends handwritten letters to Santa telling that all they want for whatever they celebrate instead of Christmas is for Donald Trump to be in jail, right? <laughs> like we know they do that. So here's where this comes in. And then there's a third component. There's a third component here, right? Because I haven't seen the left this in love with law enforcement in a long time, right? Suddenly the left loves cops again. So you add all these things up. For, for anybody on the left that's looking at this going, wait a second, I thought you guys believed in backing the blue. Why do you... For anyone on the left watching this thinking that we're being horribly hypocritical here, two things. One, some people are. Some people on the right are being horribly hypocritical, and I'm not going to defend that. But two, there's a lot of other people that are looking at all of these things in context. And that's generally important to look at things in context. And we're saying, okay, you've done something that's truly unprecedented. And you, you haven't done it against other high-level prominent figures in, in a similar fashion that were politically connected to you. Or you found excuses for why it didn't need to be investigated or why they, people should be banned on Facebook for even sharing the information, right? You didn't do any of that. So it, it seems convenient. You've, you've demonstrated that you don't believe that nobody is above the law. You believe that the law is a bludgeon to be used against your political opponents and to be outrightly ignored when it's your political allies, right? You have a judge that isn't exactly neutral with respect to his opinion on Donald Trump. And... You have an entire federal apparatus that the left has been claiming for years now is built upon systemic racism, right? And now all of a sudden we're just supposed to say, why don't you have, why don't you have faith in any of these institutions and the processes? And why don't you have to, because of you, because of you, that's why, because of you, right? Not, not again, not every Democrat, but the left has pushed so many different contradictory narratives for so long and they have gotten away with stuff that we can't ever imagine someone on our side getting away with, that when something like this happens and they expect us to all sit there and be like, well, let's wait for all the facts and evidence to come out. Why? When have you ever cared about all the facts and evidence coming out? 
right? This feels targeted. Now, having said all that, and I'm going to shut up, I'm going to allow my co-host to opine. Sure you are. <laughs> How dare you? Well, you were even I mean, here yesterday. He, he just opened up the floor, which obviously allows me to elaborate more on the origins of Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, but but to, to, to get to get back to your point, um, I don't think it's it's just like the left or the Democratic Party that has like completely eroded you know trust in institutions. I think a huge chunk of the responsibility for this, let's be honest, falls squarely at the feet of, feet of the media. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it. I, I I'm <laughs> now reading articles. From the media complaining and whining about why don't the American people trust us anymore? <laughs> like I, I don't even need to explain why. Yeah. I, like everybody knows why. I mean, there was a Gallup poll that showed it was something like nine percent, less than ten percent of Republicans have like any sort of faith whatsoever in you know in, in media, all sorts of media, print media, news media. Um, but I, I mean, I really do think that 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 is. I think that the media bears more responsibility for why we don't trust what they have to say um, more than it is a political party, to be honest. Because, by the way, it's not just the New York Times, the Washington Post, and CNN. It's also Facebook. Yeah. And it's also Twitter. I mean, it's getting to the point now where when Facebook throws up a disclaimer on something, that makes it more likely for some people to believe it. Oh, yeah. Not less. No, I've gotten to the point where it's like I'm... <laughs> My knee-jerk reaction whenever Facebook throws up, this has been independently fact-checked. It's like I now like it and want to share it because I'm, I'm just so sick of this, this one-sided version of fact-checking where, not to mention the fact, and this goes, this goes into a deeper element here on, again, when something like this happens. Um, and, and, again, I think the left is acting confused. Well, you guys claim to be pro-law enforcement. You claim to be pro-equality before the law. You claim to not believe that you know anybody should be above the law, right? You claim that our system is one that we can trust and we need to support it. So why do you have a problem? Oh, because it's your favorite president. That's why all of a sudden you don't like the FBI. And that's why all of a sudden you don't like, like, okay, back it up a couple of steps. I appreciate that you're attempting to use logic and analysis and reasoning here. I also appreciate that you put out a flyer at the Smithsonian that said scientific reasoning and you know, rational linear thought is an attribute of whiteness, right? The, the other thing that I'm not going to let them get away with right now is when, when logic, when they think that logic suits their argument, they're the first to jump up. Oh, that's a logical fallacy. That's the, and when it doesn't, it's like, well, you're just, you're just putting an over-reliance on the laws of non-contradiction, which is really a Western Honestly, concept. it's just gaslighting at this point because we have all been watching for the past several years. I mean, I'll start with Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton had a, an email server installed into her home, illegal, an, an illegal server <clears throat> on which she had emails that were of a classified nature that were not supposed to be there. This is all proven. They had to remove the server. But did she ever have to account for what she, the elite, did they, oh, let me ask this. When did they raid her home in the early morning hours? When did, when did they do okay. this? They didn't. Yeah. They didn't do it. And to add more uh, insult to injury, basically, just to show how above the law she is, she is now fundraising yeah. off of the fact that he was raided and she got away scot-free. She's got a hat on social media. She made a tweet saying, but her emails. Yeah. 
and it's it's a hat and it's a it's a photoshopped yeah, image of is. her with a hat but this is her her e or her uh twitter address that put yeah. this out well and, and she thinks and, she and, thinks this is why well, i'm i'm really i'm really nailing them on their what aboutism uh, no, you're, but what about it and yeah. then i've got another one for you how about what about hunter biden's emails um and his his uh his laptop, which apparently has all kinds of information on it with his business dealings. And it's already showing that his father, I mean, there were are recorded conversations with his father, our president, um, with his father checking up on him because of some of these de- business deals to make sure everything was going smoothly. Oh, I just- and then on top of that, um, you know, a lot of people got banned on Twitter and Facebook and everything else for sharing some of the leaked stuff that was in his laptop. He has video of himself engaging in all manner of disgusting activity, some of which appear to be with minors. And so when you will not investigate child porn on the president's son's laptop, you know, we're going to say, uh, what about that? Yeah. Well, I, I was informed by somebody on Twitter, and I don't know if you know this, but Twitter is the fount of all wisdom. Anyway, so that guy came back and said, um, they, the FBI did investigate the laptop and determined it was all Russian propaganda. I was like, oh, this is Putin's fault. I forgot. I forgot. When Putin is not busy um, sneaking into the Federal Reserve and printing out trillions of Federal Reserve notes, he sometimes likes to plant laptops with pictures of Hunter Biden, and apparently, I don't know if you are you sure that wasn't somebody saying it tongue in cheek. Were they I, serious? I don't know if I don't know if it's you know more this. ridiculous than that. You know what that argument basically is? Don't worry, guys. The agency that answers to the president investigated the president's son and determined there was nothing wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I like I, it, it. Just I mean, I'm now seeing Republicans like call for like the wholesale like dismantling of the FBI and defunding the DOJ and stuff like that. And quite frankly. I understand where they're coming from. I don't know if I necessarily wholesale agree with it, but I certainly understand where it's coming from because, I mean, this is – how many times now have we seen this where the FBI is, has either completely dropped the ball when something's happened on the left, but they just throw the kitchen sink at you if if you happen to be on the right or on the center right? I, I It really does feel like like political targeting. I, you know what it does? It, it feels like the sort of stuff that the left, again, accused Trump of doing for four years. And I, I'm sorry, but like, it, it's just another case. And we've talked about this on the show before. It's another example of like eroding trust in our institutions. Mm-hmm. The FBI is one of those institutions. The DOJ is one of those institutions. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, and, how about and, Epstein? Well, like, when are we ever going to see the list on Epstein? I mean, we know there are people being protected who are above the law because his list has the the book or list of of clients that Epstein has um, had never been released. So, well, and and look, if, so, okay, the counter argument would be, well, if they're investigating those people, you're not going to release the list to the general public. Okay, fine. Islam, but I better start seeing some convictions at some uh, point or some you, people brought before some people brought before trial. Let, let's switch over here to, to something else because we, we brought up Hillary, we brought up the, the servers, and I think that's important because, again, I love it when the left does this, well, that's whataboutism. Well, no, the, <laughs> What aboutism doesn't it is is irrelevant if it doesn't actually make sense or if there isn't any sort of like logical consistency or connection to the overall argument. But if if you blatantly if you if in one minute you're saying one thing and the next minute you're saying another, that's not what aboutism when we call it out. That's us noticing your blatant hypocrisy. That's hypocrisy. So 
why? So we, I, I looked at this. All right, this is this is the legal with Politico.com, and it was why the Trump search warrant is nothing like Hillary's emails. So let me read this out because I thought this was interesting because I'm looking at this going, that seems like a pretty fair parallel. The Justice Department official who oversaw the investigation of Hillary Clinton's handling of classified records says there's simply no comparing the search of Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence to the case against the former Secretary of State. And then he gets quoted. People sling these cases around to suit their political agenda, but every case has to stand on its own circumstances, said David Lofman, who led the Justice Department's counterintelligence section until 2018 and is now a partner at firm Wigan and Dana. Lofman has the credentials to judge the severity of these matters. In addition to the Clinton case, he managed the investigation of David Petraeus, the former general and CIA director who pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor for mishandling classified material. For the department to pursue a search warrant at Mar-Largo tells me that the quantum and quality of the evidence they were reciting in a search warrant and affidavit that the FBI agent swore to was likely so pulverizing in its force as to eviscerate any notion that the search warrant in this investigation is politically motivated, he said. 24 hours after it transpired, there remain few details about why the FBI raided, and then it goes on for like several more paragraphs. You know what they never do in this? He never tells us why this is nothing like Hillary's emails except for the fact that Hillary never was the subject of a search warrant in an FBI raid. And we're like... Um, they even brought up Petraeus, who at the same time that Hillary was going through all of this stuff, did what he did was far less egregious than what Hillary did. Yeah. And he w- they threw the book at him, yeah. and Hillary got off scot-free. She's selling merch. Well, and, that's, and the funny part is, is that... This is, again, to Christian's point, why don't we trust the media on this stuff? Well, well, Kyle Cheney writing for the legal section of Politico, it's because when you do a headline on why the Trump search warrant is nothing like Hillary's emails, and then you list off one of the chief investigators that actually oversaw the Hillary Clinton- It's an appeal one, to authority. And the David Petraeus. And then, and then that person doesn't provide any evidence other than saying, well, it's it, he said it so. takes a lot to get that search warrant. You know, that, that, the evidence has to be so pulverizing- Okay, but yeah. you haven't actually provided us any evidence. You haven't shown us. You haven't come out and said, oh, well, the whole issue with emails server was different, and this is why, and I oversaw that case, and here's here's the— It's very circular reasoning it, is what it no, is. No, it's, it's—I'll tell you exactly what it is. This is the government expert. The government expert says the government isn't doing anything wrong. Why don't you trust the expert? Even though he cited another corresponding case at the same time, mm-hmm. and— it glaringly highlights that she was let off easy. Yeah. No, I, I, it's just, to me, this is, this I mean, is the takeaway here is that it's nothing like what happened with the Trump raid because she wasn't raided and she, she didn't, wasn't accountable. Yeah. That's what I meant That's by it's different. circular reasoning because yeah. the justification that we're hearing from these people is, well, Trump clearly did something wrong because they raided him. And you know why we know that Hillary didn't do anything wrong because they didn't, didn't raid her. her. Like, Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. And, and and you were you were pointing to the act of the FBI going into his house and seizing this stuff as justification to explain why he did something bad. Yeah. But then you say we have to send these people in because he did something bad. Well, how do you prove he did something bad? Because we already sent somebody. It's a circular yeah. argument. Is is it that's exactly what it no, no, is. No, you're right. You're right. But this argument definitely would not stand if it were um, a situation where somebody pulled someone over and, and found drugs in their car or whatever it is. And they're like, Oh, but you know, they were targeted, they were profiled and they were only done. They were only, um, pulled over because of, 
of whatever, whatever profile they fit and for someone else to come in and go, well, they must have done something wrong to get pulled over. Not always. And yeah. it, they're trying to say, I don't know, they they make the argument that, oh, you're innocent, you're just being targeted, but we're not allowed to make the same argument that, no, people are being targeted. Yeah, no. Well, and th this goes back to, uh, there's another article I wanted to look at. And, and this is kind of an interesting thing. So pull, pull up the... Um, Pull up the New York Post article, the Trump team. Yeah, Trump team won't release copy of Mar-a-Lago FBI raid warrant. You're, you're starting to see this come up a lot because some people have said that, well, listen, the DOJ isn't releasing this stuff, but the Trump team has an issue with the warrant. They could release it to the public. Why aren't they doing that? Okay, let's get a couple of things clear here. You're innocent until proven guilty. It's not on you. It, it is not on you to justify why the government, why you're innocent. Right. It's on the government to justify why they're doing what they're doing, why they're executing the force that they're they're executing, um, you know, why they're attempting to prosecute you. That That's all on them. And that information has to come out. And obviously they have to do this eventually in court. But th this this kind of flipping it back and back around on the accused. Well, let me just let me just throw out a scenario here. If you wanted to get a, a warrant signed, but you also wanted to do it in such a way to where the person didn't want to release that to the public. All you'd have to do is find sufficient justification to put something on there that's potentially embarrassing. And if you've already got a judge or whatnot that is, is going to bless off on it, then that's what you do, right? But there's a reason why the DOJ is just coming back, and this is, this is why Garland is just saying, well, no one's above the law. Well, okay, okay, Garland, you clearly don't believe that, but you believe it in this case. So it, it's all just like, painfully convenient for the left is I think why so many of us have a problem with this. And because so much of what they're saying now, and, and this also goes back to another statement that I am seeing. If you would have told me liberals were going to be repeating this like line, you know, mercilessly, mercilessly all the time, 20 years ago, I would have said you were nuts because there's just the opposite. But here's the line that they keep saying, well, if you've got nothing to hide. Oh, oh my God. And they say that with this, they say that with, um, with the new IRS agent, we got 87,000 new IRS. Yeah, your your elected representatives just sent 80 billion additional dollars to the IRS, which I just want to point out, the same Democrats that were furious with Elon Musk when he offered to buy Twitter for $44 billion, they all lined up and screamed like, he could solve world hunger with that money. Even though that was ridiculous. Well, they just gave 80 billion to the IRS. So I guess I am waiting for the IRS with double the budget. They'll solve it twice over. Yeah, they'll solve Almost it twice, twice baby. Over. Yeah. I mean, they got this. I mean, I said on a few episodes ago that that is more money than what the Russian military spent last year, mm -hmm. which means that over a 10-year period, in 10 years, yeah. we could ha we could see the IRS invade Ukraine. Now, they <laughs> might not pull it off, Yeah, <laughs> right? We know, actually. I mean, so the Russian military spent something well, like they $65 might. You, billion, So with $80 billion, they might actually be able to pull it off yeah. this time. But but no, I, I what I find so fascinating about that argument is, is traditionally... That argument of, well, if, if you got you've nothing got, to hide, yeah, if you've got nothing to hide, then you've got nothing to fear. That traditionally would have terrified the left. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, is that we're not dealing with the 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 same left that existed in the 60s or 70s or 80s. We're, we're dealing, we're not dealing with liberals. We're no. dealing with like committed leftists. ideological leftists. Yeah. And those are people that are just, how do I, how do I explain this? 
Somebody that is on the left economically might have a very flawed way of looking at things, thinking that redistribution of wealth will somehow create more wealth. And they're totally wrong. And I'll debate them all day long. But that's also a type of person that values freedom of speech and freedom of expression and wants to have the debate. And, 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 and it's one of those things where we can agree to disagree. We're not dealing with those type of people, though. We're dealing with authoritarians that are masquerading as liberals yeah. is what it really is. Like, like it, it, the modern Democratic Party has become an anti-liberal party. It's not a liberal party. It's a leftist party. And it's not even just a regular old leftist. It's an authoritarian leftist party. And this is why you see that, like, the, the polling is clear on this, that, like, outside of the police stuff with the defund the police stuff, because they viewed the police as a conservative institution, like, it's the left that is, like, pro-CIA, pro-FBI, pro-DOJ. They are pro these institutions that they think that they can control because what they really want to do is they want to use those institutions against people that disagree with them. And we're starting to see that more and more. And by the way, we started seeing that about 10 years ago. I'm old enough to remember the IRS uh, scandal yeah. during the Obama era where the IRS unleashed itself on they conservative organizations and targeted right. them. This is a continuation of something that took place about a decade ago. Um, it's just ramped up to 11 now. Well, and now they've got, you know, 80 billion more dollars to conduct more of that. But well, I, I'd and, like and to I, point out one thing. You mentioned that um, they're they're doing this whole, well, what do you have to hide? If, if you don't have anything to hide, you won't yeah. mind uh, showing us or, or being recorded or whatever it is. And speaking of that, um, I was reading in an article that when the FBI had raided Trump's um, home in Mar-a-Lago, they didn't allow any of his representation to come into the house um, while they were searching. They, they refused to allow themselves to be observed doing the search. And in fact, to the point where it was 91 degrees and humid, I mean, it's Florida, um, and they, they made the Trump team stay outside in the heat instead of coming into the air conditioning, even just in the lobby. And they told... Um, Trump's team, they needed to shut off all the surveillance cameras in the building. Yeah. Um, huh. I have a question. If they've got nothing to hide, why don't they <laughs> wow. want to be recorded? And here's the thing is, I, I mean, immediately I go tinfoil hat a little bit and go, okay, they need to do a bug sweep when they come back through. Uh, when Trump shows up, he, he needs to uh, have his team check for check for any kind of bugs that are planted. And then on top of that, it's it leaves open. It's not that I think they would have planted materials or that they did that, but it sure leaves it open to suspicion when they, they refuse to be observed doing this and even make a point of telling them to shut off the cameras. However, Trump's team refused to shut off the cameras. And so apparently the cameras continued to roll. So that's good. But the fact that they told them to, yeah, it, is there a reason why that might be? I mean, it is there something that I don't know that makes that something they can make you do? I mean, I, I is there something saying that you can't, you can't be, they can't be observed while they're rifling through your things? I, I'm not, I'm not aware. I would think. I would think you'd have to have special circumstances because, you know, again, there's been a big push for body cams and things like that. And I generally think body cams are a, a good idea. Um, and you see a lot of law enforcement organizations that like body cams because 
a lot of times what body cams have done is actually exonerated good police officers dealing with difficult people. But it, but it is a little weird to say, hey, we're going to come in and execute this search warrant. You stand outside and shut off all of your security cameras. Yeah, I, I don't know what the point of that is. On top of that, there were witnesses there saying that they appeared. So normally with a search warrant, they have to take only what they have to go in in order to retrieve. You have to be specific on what you're going to get and where you're, where you're looking for it. But instead they go through everything, including, well, they said they went through everything, but, um, so what's interesting to me is that these witnesses said that they were indiscriminately grabbing up every paper and every box. I mean, I, and I, look, taking I don't, it out. I don't know on that. And here's again, hey, I'm just one, saying what the witnesses said. I, okay. I get it. But one of the things I have always wanted to be different about what we do versus what everybody else does right. to include what a lot of other conservatives do is we'll make a good logical argument. And, and that kind of leads me to my next but, point. But there is, uh, now, we do want to highlight exactly why people have become so yes. suspect. And so all of these things do contribute to folks being very suspicious of the circumstances. No, no, no question. So, on, and, and on that note, on that note, I, I put out a little tweet where I said, hey, FBI, as soon as you're done here, maybe you can, you know, take a look at Epstein's list and, oh, I don't know, maybe Hunter Biden's laptop. And I had people sending me like, oh, you know, you don't want to search that because Trump's name is probably on the Epstein's list. And Trump's probably, and they show like a picture of like Trump talking to Epstein at one point when, when they were younger. And here's, here's what I want to say to make something very clear. If, if all of a sudden it came out and, and there, was, there was evidence and they proved it, that Trump was going down to that little island Epstein was holding, I would want Trump behind bars faster than would make your head spin, Right. You, you want to, like at that point, you want to light that fire, I will help you light the match. Because this idea, because I genuinely believe that people are not supposed to be above the law, especially when we're talking about laws that are protecting other human beings and their person. So no, I'm not afraid of, of what would come out on that list. I, I'm not afraid of, of people that I might have supported before coming out on the list because they come out, they were someone that I didn't think they were. They proved that they were someone I didn't think they were and prosecute them to the full extent of the law. And I will cheer when they go down. Well, you know who else has been pushing for that list to be released? Trump. So there yeah, is no, that. I, I think I, I just really think. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're in a name, hypothetical. I know, I know. Yes. But if your name was on a list, the, the, you wouldn't want it look, released. The point is, the point is is that I love it when the left, when someone on the left comes back with like, oh, really, would you still want that if Trump was on it? Yes. Yeah. We want yes. the truth. We well, want the truth. Right. I actually, see, I'm not the one running around with this nihilistic viewpoint that there is no truth and this is all about narrative and achieving some sort of, no, I believe in the truth yeah. and I want my views to correspond with the truth. But it makes it really hard to identify what the truth is when it becomes so evident that you're willing to complete, you completely obfuscate it. When, when one minute it's all about follow the science and the next minute it's throw it out. When one minute it's about logic and the next minute it isn't well, based off of what your in-state or your political objectives are. Well, Nick, what should our response be when someone says no one is above the law in this conversation? I agree. <laughs> Honestly, that's what I agree. Oh, by the way, if you agree with that statement, then clearly you want there to be a more robust investigation about all the people that were you know, setting up isolationist areas in Portland and in Seattle, right? Sure. Clearly you want there to be a more robust investigation for people that were going in, setting things on fire and looting stores in cities all across America in 2020, right? 
Clearly, you think there's some problem with respect to what Hillary Clinton did with her email server. Clearly, you think there's some issue with Hunter Biden apparently pulling out his phone and taking videotape every time he buys cocaine and hookers. Like, clearly, if you believe nobody's above the law, then, then that's also something that you would subscribe yeah. to, right? Because as much as, as much as I have some questions with respect to why the FBI did this in the way that they did, if there's if there's a like a clear violation of law, if there's a violation of law and they have the jurisdiction to investigate it and they do it and, and they can prove in a court of law, fine. Like I'm not threatened by that. What I am threatened by is what appears to be the continual weaponization of institutions which are supposed to be nonpartisan, which are supposed to serve all of us, and which in some cases feel like the scale's a little bit tipped in one particular direction. So we don't have any problem with the statement, no one is above the law. Right. But we would like the law applied equally. We would like the law exercised and, and executed equally. Unfortunately, that term, that uh, statement, no one is above the law, is unfortunately untrue at this point. And that is what we have the problem with, is that there clearly are people above the law, one of them being Hillary Clinton, one of them being, you know, some of these folks have time and time again, proven that they are above the law. And so, yes, no one should be above the law, but clearly they well, are, and, and, and the we, left's okay with it. Can we also say this? I, I mean, and this is where this is where you don't have a perfect right-left paradigm. We all at this table, you know, we're, we're, you know, on the right, but we're on the right that is very liberty-oriented. Right. We're on the, we're on the version that does believe that there's, there's, sound uh, evidence and arguments for good criminal justice reform. We're the one that does believe that there, there should be policing reform. We're the ones that do believe that if you break the law and you hurt another person, then yes, you might have to go away to jail and you should definitely have to pay restitution to your victim. We're the ones that do believe that the government is too big and there are far too many laws, period. I mean, we were just, we were just at Polyface Farm the other day, Joel Selton, the guy's a farmer, Right, and had someone raid his his house, you know, confiscate all of the beef he had that was going through processing on a tip. He didn't get a chance to face his accuser. Yeah, we look at a ton of laws and say no one is above the law, but there's a lot of laws that are stupid and should go away and shouldn't exist. Yeah. Not saying that's the case necessarily in this one, but I, I just want to point out that when someone says no one is above the law. There's a couple of questions that we should ask ourselves. One, is that really true? And do we really believe that? Do we believe that when it affects us personally? And if the answer is no, well, then we should probably start to reevaluate the number of things that we have on the books right now. Because there, there was a book written called Five Felonies a Day where somebody made a good argument on how an average American citizen could violate five different laws at state, local, and federal levels that would be felony charges where they could, you know, lose their second amendment rights, lose their right to vote, lose their freedom, lose property. Because we just have this litany of state, federal, and local laws overlapping, sometimes contradictory. So yeah, no one's above the law, but a lot of times we should also take a hard look at how many things we've codified right. that would probably be left to free people just working it out through voluntary association or non-association. I'm interested interested in where everyone thinks this is going to go. What was, is going to happen next? I Presidential election. You, you want the worst case scenario, best case scenario? Give us both. Worst case scenario. Um, 
worst case scenario is the government does not make a strong case, um, but they absolutely throw the book at Trump leading to, you know, potential incarceration or something like that. Now I'm not saying like if they come out and as part of this investigation, they've got, you know, audio recordings of, you know, Trump telling people, Hey, Hey, you with the Buffalo hat, go in there and steal Nancy Pelosi's podium. And while you're <laughs> at it, you know, set the place on fire. Uh, oh, and by the way, he took 14 flights down to Epstein's Island. Like if they don't make a strong case, which can, can with really strong supporting evidence and they just throw the book at him. Yeah. You're going to see a situation where there's going to be a significant number of people in this country that just come to the, come to the conclusion that law enforcement at the, especially at the federal level, yeah. right? Let's make a distinction yeah. here between local, state, and federal. They're going to come to the conclusion that federal law enforcement has essentially become weaponized for politically motivated purposes. And you are going to start to see states engaging in the, the term is called interposition, which is to say that states will actually, you actually saw Anthony Sabatini who was running for Congress in Florida. Like I, I know Anthony, he's a state legislator down there where he basically said, we should tell the feds to get out of Florida, right? I mean, so you're, you're talking about arriving at a point where people, you could actually see a significant outcry to say, we don't want federal agencies messing around in our state because we don't trust them to faithfully execute um, their, their, you know, their, their mission in accordance with equal treatment before the law. Um, and, and when you get into that, that just, I mean, that poses all sorts of, of issues where you, you could theoretically, again, this is worst case scenario. This is not conspiracy, the worst case scenario where now you, here's how this would like, this would be the tipping point. So let's just say feds make a horrible case. It's just to, to a significant portion of the population. It looks like they just, it was a witch hunt. They got Trump, they lock him up. They put him in a federal penitentiary out, out of Florida, you know, Governor at some point, or the people just say, you know what, that's it. We don't like it. You know, people in like Oklahoma and Mississippi, like we don't like it either. We think this is ridiculous. And they start to say, we're going to start to limit federal, the access of federal agencies within our states. All of a sudden, a, there's a federal investigation or a federal crime that's being committed. And the FBI is no longer calling local departments to let them know that they're about to conduct a raid. Right? Because if they do, the local law enforcement might not permit them or state law enforcement. So now you run into potential situations where you have two different law enforcement agencies showing up for two very different purposes where FBI comes in or whatever it is, ATF comes in and says, we're going to do this and local state troopers or local sheriff or local law enforcement goes, not in our jurisdiction, you're not. Uh, this kind of thing happens actually sometimes already. There's actually a video that's been going around where an ATF agent showed up at somebody's door to confiscate. Okay, but that was different, right? The ATF agent failed to properly identify themselves and got tased, which was, if you if you haven't seen the video. It's, Didn't he like cry for his mommy or something? It, he did. He, he, kind of. It was, an, it was an interesting exchange, but that's not what I'm talking okay. about. I'm talking about someone calls up and says the ATF is at my house asking me questions and local law enforcement comes up and arrests the ATF agent. Not because they didn't properly, not because they failed to identify properly, not because they did something wrong, not because they were operating outside of their federal jurisdiction, but because that state or locality has decided we're not letting you do this here. We don't like well, the ATF. I feel well, like that, the ATF is an illegitimate. Okay. <laughs> regardless, what, regardless, what that means is, is that now you have a constitutional crisis, right? You have a legit constitutional crisis at that moment between federal jurisdiction, state jurisdiction, 
And this has happened before. Um, in Wisconsin, um, in the 1850s, they threw a U.S. federal marshal in jail. So like a local Wisconsin police department threw a federal marshal in jail. Now, why did they do it? The federal marshal was enforcing the Runaway Slave Act. So mm. the federal marshal was actually taking a, a someone who had, you know, gotten away from their, you know, slaveholders and fled into Wisconsin. They were tracking them down to return them to slavery. And it was a local law enforcement that literally threw that's what I'm that's interposition. Right. So that's the worst case scenario. Best case scenario is, you know, e- either the government has concrete evidence that is just so overwhelming that there was obvious wrongdoing in such a way to where reasonable people will look at it and say, look, I voted for the guy twice, but that's wrong. And there, there has to be consequences. Um, or the other side of that on the, on the best case scenario is department of justice comes out. They just don't have a good case that either gets thrown out or Trump gets exonerated. Right. So th- those are the, you know, again, worst case scenario. Um, and the, as far as I see it, if, uh, Trump, if it comes out and Trump gets exonerated, I think, uh, his base will be sufficiently galvanized. And, uh, I mean, he's, it's interesting to me that all of this is happening on the heels of him, you know, winning by a landslide in every straw poll that's being conducted for 2024. And, uh, as his slate of candidates that he has endorsed are sweeping, out the trash, basically, um, like uh, our guy that we had on. Yeah, Joe Kent. Yeah, Joe congratulations, Kent. He won. Joe Kent, Republican nominee. He won the Republican former nomination. Former Green Beret. I was first group. He was fifth group. But other than that, he's a good person. I hadn't heard yet. Is Liz Cheney still? Her, her primary is in a few days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but we're Kevin just kind of watching, watching so. away. Mm-hmm. It. So that um, should help. Not at all. <laughs> by the way, um, so. Liz Cheney is one of the only few like pro impeachment Republicans that's that's left in the House mm-hmm. after it was like yesterday. One other, oh no, no, that was. There's one other um, yeah. Dan. What's his name in Washington's fourth district? But the other one in Washington, uh, Jamie, she just lost to yeah. Joe Kent like she lost yesterday. To, she lost to Joe, mm-hmm. um, who by the way was on our show not that long ago. So he is almost certainly going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yes, I know. He's almost. What I'm trying to say is that's not what I'm trying to get at. What I'm yeah. trying to get at is is that like he's almost certainly going to be going to Washington. Like yeah. that district is basically a safe Republican. It's like R plus seat. eleven now. I think, yeah, something like that. 12, yeah, it's something like that. But anyways, that's. I think that's best Good case, deal. worst case. Um, uh, worst case for me is. Um, have you ever seen Mad Max? <laughs> <laughs> by the way, all right. By the way, real quick, I think we're going to do an episode on this. Um, cause again, we, we went up to Polyface farm yeah. yesterday, talked to Joel Salatin talking about like, you know, farming and, and re- resiliency and all that. It was really interesting. We're actually going to have, we may or may not have a show coming out in the not so distant. I would like to, I think it would be a fascinating conversation because yeah. I think a, a lot of folks who probably listen to the show have, for good reason, become increasingly concerned about food safety, where yeah. their food is coming from, how it's grown. And he has just done such an incredible job of restructuring how farming is traditionally done yeah. uh, to create safer and cleaner food. Well, and, and look, the people always seem to fall into these camps where it's like, I hate industrial farming or I, you know, these right. guys are, these guys are lying because you can't feed mass populations. Can I just say something right now? I think there's problems with industrial farming. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I, I understand there's limitations sometimes to, to other types of, of um, farming. 
my biggest problem is when the government is coming in, tipping the scales sure. and setting up all these. Restrictions. But what Joel has done up there is just incredible. Like it, really it, is. it is super impressive. We got to go around, look at, at all of it. And as like Tina and I start to look at, you know, we got 10 acres. We don't, we got a ton of property, but um, we, we actually, we, we enjoy having chickens and having goats and we, we enjoy being able to, do, it's great for the kids. Um, and I, I, I love the, I love, I like, I like gardening. I like the idea of not being so dependent upon, you know, the supply chain, um, for all my food, especially when I enjoy growing it and I enjoy learning about it. And I think it's good for kids to understand something about it. Right. And, and again, Joel's just, especially when it comes to like livestock, I mean, right. Oh, I mean, great. And it, great operation, but sorry, that was a long segue just to say, we, we were we were standing up the other day and, and Christian just talked about the Mad Max dystopian view. And I was like, you know what would be fun is we should do a series on how to survive the zombie apocalypse. And I think it's a great idea. We teach how to like, you know, obviously you got to be able to shoot. Hotwire a car. Hotwire a car. Yeah. Like how do, what, how do you react when you get in a high-speed chase? And the fun part is I've done some of this. I mean – it's, Train, it, it could happen. We really could. I mean, we are kind of dealing with a lot of intellectual zombies at this point <laughs> and uh, they are invading and they're starting with the schools. No, we, we thought it, we thought it, I mean, it was one of those things we were looking at as we we're all kind of joking and we were talking about massive supply chain issues and inflation. And, you know, again, none of us are sitting here like, oh, the, the world's all coming to an end tomorrow, but we believe in being aware of things. And when you look at history and you look at how governments behave in certain circumstances, it 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 has it can really have highly damaging sometimes catastrophic results for citizens, right? And we're and we're not we're not talking just about like the Great Leap Forward where Mao starves forty five million people. We're we're talking about things like, um, you know, the Weimar Republic where they inflated their currency so bad that people literally just couldn't go to the store and buy groceries. And same thing happened recently in Zimbabwe again, and the second time in ten years, and and people are seeing this, and it's like okay, again. How do you, how do you become more resilient? How do you how do you feel safer and more secure in being able to do basic things that either because of things out of your control, like maybe supply chain issues that you can't do, or or just being able to do things like I was so proud when our when our oldest daughter Lily, you know, we've been really big on hey look when you get a car you need to pay for your car because you're gonna you're gonna appreciate it more, and she was driving a long way to school every day, um, and. You know, she had to replace the rotors and the brake pads and got in and got an estimate. It's like, all right, it's going to be $1,800. And she looked at the parts and said, well, I, I can get all the parts for a lot cheaper. Pulled up YouTube. And, and I got to say, this is one where daddy is not as big a help. Uh, mommy is actually a much bigger help when it comes to, <laughs> to doing this stuff. Yeah, that's my area. But she, fig she figured out how to do it, changed her rotors, got, in, got it inspected after the fact. They're like, yeah, you did a great job. That's something that she now knows how to do. Yeah. Which makes her more capable, more resilient, less dependent. Like those are good skills to learn. So it does seem like every generation has a reason for becoming like a prepper. Uh, <laughs> so you know, it, during the depression or or during uh, various war eras, people were doing under underground bunkers and they were storing food. And then I remember Y two K. Who remembers uh, Y two K? These two, well, I don't mm -mm. think they were even oh born. My were they? Gosh, that was a big deal. Y two K. I mean, nineteen ninety nine. Everybody thought that oh my gosh, the clocks on your on the computers, the clocks that run everything, they weren't set up to go up. 
another digit. So what happens when everything just resets to zero? And they All the thought, nuclear warheads were going to launch. Yeah, they thought that everything <laughs> was going to crash and that, you know, I remember my dad, I shouldn't say this, but I remember you my remember dad a going. Person. <laughs> I'll just say it because he said it. Cause he said it, but he was like, there'll definitely be a speed. I don't know how big it'll be, but there will definitely be a, a, a bump in, in the way that we have to do things. We're going to feel it in some way. It may not be huge. And I mean, cause my dad kind of did the little bit of the prepper thing on that. Yeah. And it was so funny because nothing happened. Yeah. Nothing fun. happened. Yeah, I remember all these bags of rice <laughs> where I worked. I mean, they had the whole countdown for a month yeah. beforehand and wow. no, it's over nothing. And you, well, so, and we're also old enough to remember, like I, I'm old enough to remember when, you know, it was still the Soviet union in the United States and it was, you know, nuclear war and you had drills and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I mean, not that nothing like it was in like the sixties and seventies, but, but now it, what's interesting to me now is we have a new generation of people that are wanting to become self-sufficient. Now, in previous years, it wasn't necessarily a push to be self-sufficient. It was actually a push to hoard uh, yeah. or a push mm -hmm. to store things. Yeah, now yeah. it's a push to be self-sufficient. You've got people in um, suburban areas and urban areas that are doing any patch of ground they have. They're doing what you would call like a victory garden. Yeah. Um, it, it's like these micro... Uh, micro farming in urban settings because they are seeing the writing on the wall too. And why grow grass that does nothing for you when you could be growing food, yeah. you know? So it is, it is an interesting dynamic. It will be really fun to kind of explore it and, and talk about why it's necessary, why it's a good idea. I, I mean, I think Hamilton was on to me though, when I was talking about this, I'm like, no Hamilton, like we would set up, like how do you responsibly handle a firearm? And then, you know, Hey, how do you like, Hotwire a car and he's like, you just want to do your military stuff and get paid for. I'm like, no, yeah, he, yeah. He's gonna like set up a trip for us <laughs> all to go to the, Griffin Driving School again. I miss, I, miss, I miss, I miss the good old days when I used to be cool, kind of. Anyway, all right. Well, listen, maybe, uh, maybe this is something for volley chat. Could be. That's right. Because if you've held on this long. First of all, thank you for being a loyal listener. Second of all, if you have uh, any comments, questions, or anything like that, maybe you maybe you have a different worst or best case scenario with respect to all of this happening, or maybe you love the idea of me getting paid to run around and drive fast cars and pit people and all that. Um, let us know in the volley chat. And if you want to learn more about what the volley chat is, you can actually go into the description. We'll leave a link right there. We've got a ton of people joining on that and engaging in conversation. We did an episode not that long ago based exclusively off what members of our volley chat thought we should do a video on. Turned out to be a great episode. It did. It did. And we will, and we asked that question every, every once in a while, we'll be sitting here and be like, you know what, let's go to volley chat and see what, see what the audience wants to have us do an episode on. I mean, we're usually pretty booked up, but a lot of times we like to say, no, we, we want to. And, and either way, the conversation on there has been great. And it, it's also fun to watch people, um, you know, you know, connect and form friendships yeah. and, and whatnot on that from Bonding different over states. Like, I'm, I like ideas. Like I'm ideas. really curious if, if anybody on Volley actually wants to ask the question. I'm really curious about, like, their take on what they think the political implications of this will be. Yeah. Yeah. Because, let's, like, let's, let's go. The, as soon as we publish, we'll go and ask. The, the polling has been tightening for the midterm lately. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, people have been saying that like, oh, it's because inflation's going down or, 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 you know, they're like, they're, they're, they're trying to give like some explanations for why it looks like Democrats now have momentum lately. But I mean, this could end up backfiring massively on them potentially. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. So, I'm, yeah, I'd, I'd be really curious to see what people have to say on that. So if you're on our volley chat, go ahead and leave a comment about that. If you're not on our volley chat, why are you not on our volley chat? What is – I don't even know you anymore. All right. Once again, thank you for watching, and we look forward to seeing you again on our next episode, which will be coming out when our next episode comes out. Once again, thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Once again, thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, again, one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to GoodRanchers.com with promo code Nick. You're going to get $15 off. You sign up for one of those subscriptions, and you're going to get up to $480 of free meat with that subscription. You get to pick top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, bacon. It is all up to you. Plus, if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for, GoodRanchers.com also has gift boxes. You need to act quick. This is part of their overall Black Friday special. So head on over to goodranchers.com, use promo code Nick, and once again, thank you for listening.